Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? This is Austin Walker, and this is not a normal episode of Waypoint Radio. We uh, are doing a thing that we do every now and then, and we're chatting with a guest. Today, uh, I am talking with John Everest, who is the composer of the recently recently released uh, Battletech by Harebrained Schemes. Uh, and uh, John has been a composer on a number of other games for Harebrained Schemes, including uh, uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong, uh, Necropolis, and, and some other stuff too, John? Uh, sh- those are the main ones. I did okay. some music for uh, Shadowrun Dragonfall as well. Right. Okay, great. Which also has some great music and is a great game. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So uh, we were recording this the day after the, the game launched. Uh, people finally have it in their hands. How does that feel? It feels it feels very weird. Uh, I mean, I've been working on the game for for over two and a half years, so it's uh, it's it's just been a long time having it like my own little precious thing that I've right. been building. And so now that it's out there in the world, it's kind of like you know it's invigorating, but also terrifying at the same time. You know? <laughs> totally. I mean, so so you started two and a half years ago. What was the pitch you got for this project when, when, when you, you know, someone says, all right, here's what our next project is. Here's what we want you to do. What was that ask like for you? Yeah. So I, I always knew that Battletech was something that Jordan Weissman and Mitch Gittleman wanted to do. I just didn't know like how serious they were about it. So, (laughs) um, the, the pitch that I got was basically like, this is, uh, Game of Thrones, in space with giant robots was was basically the pitch that I got initially, and I was like, okay, and started writing Im- immediately after that. That's really all I needed to hear to get right. to get going. Awesome. Uh, and, and so, I mean, at that point, you would probably were you still on Hong Kong, or were you did you had you wrapped that? Yeah. So, uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong had basically just came out, and then there was there were talks. I think right right after that about getting the Kickstarter stuff ready. Gotcha. Which means and, you needed you music know, for the Kickstarter, obviously. You needed something that right. felt right for getting people excited about giant robots uh, and 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 space, you know, uh, fan like not fantasy, but space uh, politicking, you know. Um, exactly. That's, that's that's a necessary thing. So I'm curious, like having played through uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong and, and now having playing uh, playing through BattleTech, their vibes are not like you know, hyper similar in terms of tone or, or, I mean, I guess actually what I mean is they're actually not that different, right? Like they, they take themselves fairly seriously. They care about their characters. They, uh, these are games that, that care about the politics of the world, um, and that are interested in technology and old technology and new technology and about factions, you know, fighting each other and about secrets, um, and about betrayal. 
but also sonically they are different, right? Like you you didn't go to the same well, and I'm curious about what the what the process was like going from Shadowrun Hong Kong to going to BattleTech and kind of how you got your head right and what some of the techniques were that you um, what some of the techniques were that, that you were were pursuing in in kind of making sure that BattleTech had its own flavor. Yeah, I mean, definitely they're they're two extremely different IPs. I think what what was what I think uh, um, kind of tied them together for me was that I I didn't grow up as uh, so I played Shadowrun the game on uh, uh, SNES. I think it was when I was a little kid. That was like Good one game. of the first, yeah. yeah, like one of the first uh, adult uh, you know mature games that I had had played as as a young kid uh, but i didn't get like into the tabletop and i didn't go down like the deep lore path with that <laughs> so i i i, I approached Shadowrun as kind of like a, a newcomer to that sort of stuff and, and that's a similar way that i approached uh battletech as well i i, I played mech uh, warrior 2 as a kid sure. um it's one of the first pc games that i kind of ever played i uh or first first games that i played on pc um but i didn't really get uh, to me, it was just giant robots, you know, stompy robots, of you course, know, shooting lasers at each other. <laughs> right. I, I didn't get, I didn't go down the rabbit hole that you know I, I've heard Rob Zachney talk about his experience, his history with BattleTech and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's so, it's such like a this world that I, this thing that I feel like I missed out on, you know. Yeah. Um, but also, I think that 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 kind of helped me approach the music to both of those games in kind of like a, uh, a, a unique way, I hope, um, where I, I didn't feel, um, I didn't feel like that weight of responsibility of like doing it, doing any, any sort of, uh, homage the correct way. I kind of right. was able to, yeah, I was able to take like the, so first and foremost, the story, and then these, these awesome characters that are really well fleshed out and well written, uh, by the writing team at Hairbrains Games. And then, like, get like a, a primer from Jordan Weissman or or uh, Mitch about the universe that is like so fascinating um, on so many levels for both Shadowrun and 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 BattleTech, and then let the gears turn from there without ha kind of having this like yoke of responsibility to right. like, do it the right way or like approach it from this angle. So I felt like kind of privileged in in that respect to to like to be able to to look at both those IPs um, from, from a fresh perspective. Totally. I mean, so, I mean, tell me how you got into music in general and, and into kind of games music in, in general, because I, I actually think that a lot of our audience maybe has like a, a pretty good idea, I guess, of what a composer is, but I'm curious if you can actually break down how you got into making music for video games and like what that job is. And one of the things I, I really like to do uh, with the platform is just like, hey, here's a job that people do. People do the thing. It's not just good sounds coming into your ears. Someone sat down and figured out how to do that. So how did you get into it? And like, what is the job on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, I mean, it. I think it varies a lot between uh, different types of composers, uh, but but for me, um, my my path into games was kind of uh, circuitous. It wasn't like a direct path. I didn't grow up. Uh, I didn't go to music school uh, as right. a kid. Um, I grew up making music. I grew up kind of my my heyday in the '90s was like producing uh, electronic music and hip hop music and stuff. Um, and then, cool. and then. Uh, after college, I pretty much got, you know, the typical, you know, office job was kind of miserable in that, in that space, but still making music on the side. So decided kind of late in life to 
have a go at it and go back to to music school. Oh. Um, I'd always played games, always loved uh, um, uh, you know the music in games, and was seeing how kind of these this independent um, swell of creativity uh, in in gaming with uh, music soundtracks and whatnot was was getting really interesting to me. And I was like, you know, I feel like this is my this is kind of my thing to like be able to produce music full time and be able to do it for games that are are telling interesting stories was something that I thought I could have a go at. So I did that. Um, how old were you? Thousand... Not not to like get too specific, but like how old were you when you were making those decisions about like oh, I'm going to make music for games? I think I left. I think so. I'm 33 now. So okay. I, in 2010 was when I left. Um, left my job john that was i I don't want to surprise you that was eight years ago (laughs) time is wild i get it 100 percent because i you know similar weird arc here but like how does that feel when you think back that like 2010 you left your job and were like i'm gonna make music for video games and now you're you're doing it you have a game out that that has a really great score and that people have been reviewing really well um what what's it what's the kind of like perspective looking back on that on that arc it's really weird i i mean i feel for like i feel extremely lucky i don't think that um like i think luck just had a lot to do with it Mm. and being kind of at the right place at the right time and and whatnot but yeah i was terrified when i first did it um i i really had no backup plan i had no savings i cashed out the small retirement that i had at, at that time to go, to go all in on it so i really it was really a dumb idea to be, to be honest but it ended up wor- it ended up working out so you know uh i i think luck though had a lot to do with it and and also just being at digipen and and i i didn't have um I didn't have any connection with the game development community at that time. And so right. going to Di- going to DigiPen and, and actually working on student games, which is which was really kind of eye-opening and like exhilarating and whatnot. And then, then these developers, uh, these student developers are then going off uh, to, to studios. So I, I was able to get a, a recommendation from, from one of the artists that I work with there. That was basically what got my first gig at Hairbrain Schemes. And then they kind of kept asking me back after that. So kind of so right place, are. right time sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that I think is hard to grip, to come to grips with sometimes. And I think that, you know, uh, I have been thinking a lot about Kanye West lately, uh, as you know, <laughs> because during the opening stream for Battletech, I compared one of your pieces to the opening piano bit of, of Runaway. They're different. You were not just lifting Kanye West's Runaway. No, in, in no way. But... I think that we generally, as people, um, often think about success in in one of two ways. Um, a lot of people think about it as just like, and, and I don't think that either of these are incompatible necessarily, but, but sometimes you prize the, the narrative of hard work and dedication and endurance. Um, sometimes, I guess there's three of these now in my head. Well, sometimes it's hard work, dedication, endurance. Sometimes it's right place, right time, lucky, I caught the break of a, of a lifetime. Like, you know, I happened to meet the person who could give me the job or who could get me an interview. And then and then we also do the like, oh, you're a born genius. Like, you're just a natural talent. Um, and, and when we tell stories about people who are successful, and about you know the sort of like hail mary passes of life we sometimes build different different like versions of of the person out of the building blocks from those three stories um right. and i think it's rare for me to hear something like what, what you just said which is like listen i got lucky <laughs> like i i took a bad right. bet and it turned out okay um what's a good well, i think go ahead i think it's e- it's it's really easy like you said it's as someone who's like you know i'm i'm 
I'm doing well. I'm making a living off of music. That's well enough for for anything. But it's I think when you get into that position, I think it's easy to mythologize your mm-hmm. your history and be like, oh, I did this and that, and I've like showed up here and like did the extra work there, and like yeah, everybody does that, you know. Right. Like, it, <laughs> right. It's kind of like you're not going to go into music and just and and half ass it. So everybody's working hard. Everybody's trying to get 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 a shot and totally and. Um, I think you got you just have to like acknowledge the luck factor in there. It's kind of or else it's a kind of disingenuous to me, I think. Right. When you can't do the other thing, which is like you can't beat yourself up because it was luck, right? Like Oh yeah. Yeah, it was luck for everybody. Like everybody got that one great connection or right. or you know, had someone you know, help them up or or had someone like, you know, uh say like, you know what, you messed up this first project, but um, you know, I'm still going to stick with you. You can do another project with us and get on your feet and like give here some tips, try that again. Um, you know, as long as you're succeeding out in the world where there are other people, like you're dealing with other people and you're up to the whims of, of who you get to deal with it, to some degree, you know? Um, right. I'm curious though, because you say like what you did was a bad bet. What you did was risky uh, and was maybe not wise. For someone who's young listening who does want to get into games music production, um, wh- what do they do? And kind of how has the, in the eight years since you were a student, how do you think the landscape has changed? Um, you know, in, in that time. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the uh, prospects of becoming a composer for for games or for film. I think that really, like, yeah, if you if you can get back to school, uh, whether it's a program like at DigiPen, which does music and um, sound design for for uh, for game. I actually dropped out of school, by the way. So <laughs> I was I dropped Same. out of my second Listen, year. Uh, you know, I mean, it's <laughs> circuitous paths. You know, right, right. But yeah, I would say like the biggest thing for me is just like be be prolific, like make as much music as as you can and get it in front mm-hmm. of as many people as possible. And for, and what worked for me is is getting into the network a little bit, uh, making uh, genuine like lifelong friends that are doing the thing that needs your music, you know, right. and um, and uh, focus on on making music that you'd want to hear in a game that's lacking from a, from the game uh the games that you're playing right now and just i think the more music you make and the more people it's in front of this it, it you know increases your odds of getting that one shot can you develop what you just said a little bit about you know making the music that you want to hear that you're not hearing right now in, in other games what like i don't i'm not asking you to throw anybody's name under the bus i'm not asking you to take shots you know uh i'm not asking <laughs> you to name names but is there a kind of a general feeling or, or a general philosophy or or, or or feeling where you're like or a conversation you've had with other musicians over and over again where you're like i can't believe that big game x did this instead of this or like why is no one doing why or like we, you know, there are all these opportunities to do to do Z, and no one's doing them. Is there anything like that 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 is explainable to someone like me? Um, I don't know, like specific specifics, but um, I would say, like, I think in 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 games in general, like when we're we're trying to tell, um, you know, mature adult stories, uh, you know, approaching approaching the score uh, for games in ways that aren't. Um, I guess so on the nose yeah. is one thing. So, and I, I thought about this a lot for BattleTech too, because 
the history of BattleTech and BattleTech games. There's, I mean, the Mech Warrior Two soundtrack is something that I f- I feel like is iconic to me sure. in in terms of game music, but also you know it 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 um, uh, like if you released a game with that that, that same <laughs> sort of sound or soundtrack today, it, you know it doesn't it you kind of have to you have to adapt with the story and kind of take take artistic um, license and and move in a direction that you feel best suits the story and and is most evocative in terms of generating feeling rather than you know okay this is a an action cue so i have to like do these big uh. big things here and there that i uh that are are so necessary in in games and film now but maybe i take it a different direction like like doing doing the runaway piano for for uh <laughs> for a cinematic in battle deck which right. by the way when i heard you guys say that i was just i was cracking up so. <laughs> <laughs> i hope it was i hope it was good well you know the thing is like that sequence is really great because it's so sparse um and right. i think you can really feel the touch of like you know i think one of the, the conversations that i've been having a lot in the last couple of years last year and a half i'd say is the sort of like hbo-ification of certain types of games like the prestige tv drama we talk about mm-hmm. game of thrones right but but in general the the sort of aesthetics of prestige television slowly trying to work their way into games um and it's been really hard in some instances because like many games especially like third person action games are mostly about killing dozens and dozens of people right. um but one of the places where it seems like maybe you've been able to have some success here is like in music where there is nothing you know in a, in a cinematic which there's lots of ways you could have done that cinematic you could have done it with characters yelling and screaming and and with you know uh, over the top dialogue and you could have done it you know with uh you know, in, in like almost like the Marvel cinematic style with banter and with, you know, uh, kind of going back and forth and kind of like high, like orchestral, like, uh, like exciting cues or like really drawn out low cellos that are just like, this is a sad moment. You know what I mean? Right. And instead, it's just this like tinkling piano and <laughs> this almost like disjointed chronologically um, you kind of jump. You're almost like doing little tiny time jumps to different moments in this char- in what's happening to this character, uh, and and it's really dramatic and it, and it really works. Um, is mm-hmm. this a space where you feel like is music a space where you feel free to kind of push the genre forward, push video games forward a little bit, uh, and and like take chances that sometimes you you know other people in other departments maybe can't just go all the way out there and and do wild stuff. Right, yeah, I, and I think it—it's just a, a, a part of that is the nature of how I was involved in in BattleTech and and the way I work with harebrained schemes. I think a lot of games, um, there the timeline is so um, uh, quick, and these cinematics are coming at the very last second before launch, and you know we've got orchestral recordings set up that you can't change, and you've got timing that's locked, and it's it's very like almost you know, militaristically set in stone right. at a certain point. And I think the, I got lucky with Battletech and that particular cinematic. I r- actually wrote that song without even knowing what it was going to go to. I wrote it just as like a, a piece for Battletech. And then we ended up editing the the cinematic to that piece. Got so that's a, an example wow. of awesome. like... Yeah, right. So the music like kind of came first and informed the story itself in a way. And and that that actually is is the case with a lot of the cinematics and some of the the other uh, pieces in the game is that 
the music isn't just supporting this kind of like structure that's been set up and built around already. It's in a way it's 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 interwoven into the fabric of the the game itself, which I think is is hard to do in games just because games are super expensive and super complex and there's so many different people right involved trying to get it right um and music is the last thing that somebody wants to worry about when they're trying to make sure the game can actually <laughs> just function right 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 totally um, but yeah so that that was a, that's a case of it being you know pretty lucky and, and working with a really good creative director mike mccain who right. like is is just so down with like taking taking little um uh, narrative risks and and trying things that are a bit unique and and um, not not as expected. I mean, there's nothing too unique about that cinematic, to be honest. But right, um, you know, it is kind of it's just, a big action uh, moment. It's like it is that thing, but like it, it but it is a take I, that I don't see that often, which is why it resonated with us while we were playing. You know, right? Yeah, I'm I'm glad, and I'm glad it did. It, it's it's it was something that Mike and I we really took the cinematics. Um, like we wanted to take them in in a, a unique direction as much as possible with the time we had for sure totally quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Um, let's talk Battletech specifically. If you're, are you good with like diving deep a little bit? Because I'm curious. You, you know, you talked about wanting to set up certain yeah, sounds for certain feelings and certain kind of themes and, and motifs and stuff. And I'm curious, like, what are some of the big picture ideas for you when it came to the Battletech soundtrack? Things you wanted to communicate, how you did it with different instrumentation. Um, I, I, you sent over a. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna host a, an exclusive behind the scenes look at the at the Battletech soundtrack. Actually, over on our YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash Waypoint Vice. And in that, like, there's a bit where you say, like, you show off an instrument you built. Um, so I'm curious how all that comes together, and like, how you built an instrument, and and what those kind of big picture ideas were and goals for for the Battletech soundtrack specifically. Right. Yeah, so I think um, the the very first I think this is the in the, the very first thing I talk about in that video too is the very first song that I wrote uh, is a song called Coronation Day and it's the track that plays over the tutorial in the first few missions mm -hmm. of the game and that was kind of like so they, they you know they had given me the overview of the story of of the the universe that we that we were in the particular part of the galaxy that this was taking place in and whatnot uh -huh. and i just kind of i i took it in this in the direction of focusing primarily on that like you know battletech feudalism political intrigue uh, sort of uh point of view there's no electronics in that at all it's all um you know fairly small orchestra 60 you, 60 player orchestra you work with two different orchestras for this right Yes, we recorded um, uh, some of the score, the main themes, and some of the earlier themes in uh, Germany, and then the the rest of it was recorded in Budapest. Cool, 
cool. So yeah, so in that theme, is that a, is that a divide you made pretty much throughout where you were like, all right, this is a piece that should not have any synth, you know, kind of um, uh, synth sounds in it. This is a piece that maybe I can get some electronic sounds into. I feel safe doing that. I feel like it's adding something here. Yeah, so I, I, I tried to, I feel like most of the story stuff has uh, has a heavier um, uh, weight towards uh or orchestral music mm-hmm. and then the the more merc mercenary team focused stuff is kind of a mixing of the two uh sometimes ebbing gotcha. back and forth uh between synths and um and live orchestra and the the whole mercenary campaign part was like such a inspiring um part of the game for me it was like you know the scrappy team of yeah of yeah it, it, you know it just firefly and all this was, like stuff that it, i grew up that's totally it right like it's it's I have not played a game, you know, when I was when I was in my like college age, all I wanted was a game that captured that feeling from Cowboy Bebop or Firefly. Absolutely. Uh, that was just like we, we you know, we're eating we are eating bell peppers and rice because that is all we can afford. <laughs> and like that is like the the bank account is next to nothing. We got to take another job on. We got to figure out how to make it another week and you know, there are games that are about management and, and the kind of a touch on that stuff a little bit, but Battletech is the first game that I've ever played where it's been like, I can I can hear the, the creaking of my ship and I can hear mm-hmm. the creaking of my stomach. You know what I mean? Like there is, we are it, we are going to go bankrupt this month if this mission doesn't go well. Like we, all right, right everybody go out there and, and try to get headshots on these mechs so that we can get better salvage so that, so that we can sell it and keep the lights on. Um, and so, yeah, that, it kind of makes sense to me that that's where you would put some of the, the more electronic sounds. Yeah, the, the Merc uh, kind of sim stuff is basically like me going back to, to school for music. That was, mm. you know. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I you know, th- there's there's this whole thing in, in Battletech of, uh, about salvage and, and, and especially for the Merc uh, uh, sim, it's making do with what you have and right. um, taking scrap and salvage and repairing your mechs and trying to make ends meet. So that was my impetus for wanting to create my own instrument. I'm air, air quoting instrument right now. It's, <laughs> it's essentially just a box. It's a, it's a, Listen, a wooden it's box. Listen, 2018, a lot of instruments are just boxes. Yeah, exactly. Just, that's really it. That, that's a good point. Um, you know. So the uh, it, it's basically just a, a box. It's got some uh, microphones embedded in it, and then I um, attached guitar electronics to it and strings and um, other things that I can bow and hit. And um, there's like an old violin that I, I attached to it too. Basically just like it uh, adds this, what, whether I'm hitting it or bowing it or, or scraping on it, it, it adds this sort of... Um, you know, held together with duct tape field to some right. of the tracks. Not necessarily, you know, in the foreground that you can hear, um, uh, but, you know, it's there. And you kind of, like you said, the ship creaking, it's kind of the the bow scratching in, under these pieces where it could sound really pretty. There's a solo violinist or something, but then there's like this... I... this Un- unsure where it's coming from this gritty little thing going on down there so. how much of your job is that sort of stuff I, I think about this with writing so much which is um you know i'll take a i'll take a i'll take a, a real example from yesterday right which is i was editing the battletech review that's up now waypoint.vice.com uh rob rob reviewed it uh and there's a line in there which is like um he's describing a situation in which in which he uh, a mech of his got into some some real trouble uh and and uh things went bad uh 
And he writes, the blackjack slumped to the ground, a marionette whose strings had been cut. And the original version of that sentence is like, the blackjack slumped to the ground. Uh, it had turned into a marionette whose strings had just been cut. And it's like, no, no, okay, we got to get in there and like pull out six words so that we get the rhythm and cadence of the blackjack slumped to the ground, a marionette whose strings had been cut. And no one knows that. No one sees that work necessarily, but it has an effect. Um, and it sounds like a lot of your work is sort of similar, which is like your audience isn't going to say, oh, that's that instrument that John made in underneath this nice violin solo, but it'll hit them and they'll feel something even though they don't necessarily have the words to describe it. Do you work a lot in that sort of like subtle space? I try, I try to a lot. And, and I think this kind of goes back to us talking about, um, you know, trying to strike new paths in, in game music and whatnot. Uh, you know, music in general, so many things um, are, are, are done over and over again for a good reason. They, they work really well and um, they can apply to multiple situations pretty easily. Uh, But there's always, I think if you, if you ever examine a really good score for a game or for uh, a film, you'll realize that there's, there's a lot of subtlety into the production that takes a lot of, of time and care to do. You know, everybody in, that's making music for, for games is using a lot of the same samples. If they're using digital samples, um, they're, they're even working with a lot of the same orchestras. <laughs> and so adding adding your own um, kind of uh, trademark to sounds is, is uh, it was important to me. And so that lends itself to the the instrument that I made and also like the modular synths and the uh, other analog synths, you're working with things that nobody will ever be able to create that exact sound again. And, and I won't even be able to create it again uh, right. necessarily. I mean, that's, that's, and, uh, yeah, that's like one of my favorite things about music production. I work with a composer for a side project pretty often. And one of my favorite things to hear from him is like, ah, I figured something weird out. And it's like, awesome. I'm so glad. I cannot wait to hear whatever right. the strange thing you stumbled into is now like a, a key sound or like something that just adds some texture. And and I think the Battletech soundtrack seems to have, from, from my time playing it, there have been these moments where something sneaks up on me and something mm-hmm. suddenly feels malicious or <laughs> desperate in a way that I did not expect. Uh, often yeah. both in gameplay and in and in in uh, uh, music at the same time, you know, like there's this amazing overlap sometimes, especially in the story missions, where I can feel something goes wrong, you know, an extra lance shows up that I didn't think was supposed to be there, or a heavy right. mech is like towering over, I, I mean, I, I, I had a moment the other day, where it basically ended up being this like, um, it was one of the first heavies that I'd come across uh, pretty early in my campaign, um, and it was it was chasing around this tiny mech that I had this this like Jenner or some other light mech. Um, I think it was I think it was actually a locust. Anyway, I can't get into this. Um, uh, <laughs> through like a mountain pass into like the foggy forests, basically around some hills, um, and and I had been pelting this thing over and over again from a distance with my other mechs, and like it was showing me its back. You know, it was like dedicated to killing my light mech, and so it just like, had no interest in defending itself. It was not taking a defensive position, so I was just like throwing missiles at the back, the weak back armor of this gigantic, uh, you know, heavy mech. I remember if it was a griffin or a dragon. I think it was a dragon. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking its arms off. I've blown up one of its legs, but it will not go down. Um, and 
the music, like, I, again, I have no idea if you have a dynamic or, you know, a, a, a programmatic system or something like that there that notices the, the terror. But there was a moment when it stomped through the trees uh, and, like, with no weapons left, just kicked my little locust down and stood over it just like like a prize fighter right like 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 the the image of muhammad ali and just like you little shit like i'm going to step on you i'm going to kill you and it was just so scary for me it was like this moment where everything changed and the strings came in or i you know it was it was that kind of like um electronic string uh sound i don't know if it was that instrument or a different one but i was like genuinely got chills um, and, you know, had to rush over another character to, like, give an alpha strike to this thing and finally put it down before it took the life of, of one of my best scout pilots, you know? Um, is that a thing you have? Do you, does the game know? Do you Did you make music that could adjust for moments like that? Or is that just, like, hey, you made some good music and coincidentally it played at the right time? I, I'd like to say it's probably one, but I think that the that uh, it's probably two. So I would say, <laughs> in, unless it was a story mission where there was some sort of uh, curated like thing where there reinforcements coming, right, right, and whatnot. I, I think um, we have so we we do have an interactive score using WIs, which is the middleware that we use. Um, a lot of that that stuff is pretty random. So there could be a chance where, yeah, you're you're going up um, against uh, uh, odds that aren't looking so well for you, and that can cause the music to to change a little bit. Cool, cool. So that could have been that could have been the case. It's hard. It's hard, hard to, to say, say, right? But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, and I kind of tried to write write music, especially for the story missions, in a way that would sort of match up with things like that too. Uh, just just in the randomness. Uh, of of how the music is written, right? Do you ever write a piece and wish it was for like a different part of the game? In a sense, like, do you ever write a piece that's like this is a great story mission beat, but I wish I could like pull this motif away from here because it would be really good over here in just a random mission or like in in another story beat, or is that just about like finding that motif and 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 kind of reorchestrating, recomposing around a, a shared motif? Definitely. I mean, for a game like this too, I, uh, so people play the game in such different ways. Like some people will, will play and they'll just try to get through the story missions as, as quickly as possible. Right. Other people will do the, the Merc campaign for, for dozens of hours before diving deep into the story. And so the Merc campaign mission music kind of all pulls from the same playlist gotcha. of different, different tracks. And so I'm, I, you know, I, I watch people play sometimes. I'm like, oh, like I wish I would have uh, put, you know, because the story missions I feel is where the music does kind of shine the brightest. And so I wish that I would have added more of <laughs> those pieces to the to the main bucket of music. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, wait, wait, it, it's a, art. That's just like you're always going to have that regret where you're like, oh, I wish I would mm, I would have done. Mm. Yeah. But, but <laughs> you know, instead you ship a thing with like 40 tracks and, you know, the soundtrack right. is like 40 tracks. I'm sure the actual game probably has more little snippets and, you know, other things in there. Um, uh, and you, you, you say, hey, I did good work here. And you, you move on to whatever the next project is, right? Yeah, ship it. Ship it. You got to ship it. That's the that's the thing. You know, you don't. <laughs> there's the the George Lucas quote I think, which is like, uh, "You never finish a movie. You only ever abandon one." Um, right. And it's like, yep, uh huh. That's me and everything in my life. Uh, that's everything I've ever worked on. It's like uh, this could be better. This could be better. It's got to get done. Feel that. 
I yeah. go I go in waves. Like I was I was listening to the soundtrack the other day and talking to my girlfriend. I was like, oh my god, like I blew it. This is terrible. <laughs> and then two hours oh. later, I'm listening to it. I'm like, ah, oh, it's actually not. That's okay. Yeah, this, this is all right. Good. This is pretty good. There's some good stuff in here. That's the thing. Is like, yeah. I feel like it's always that arc of just like you have the big picture thing. Because when you're thinking about it in the big picture, you can so easily, for me anyway, I can always remember what my goals were and be like, oh, this doesn't hit those at all. Like this doesn't, as a, as a whole body of work, as a, as, a, as a whole piece, I wanted to do X, Y, Z. Right. I, so like I, this is I can get like a hyper real example, right? Which is like we launched Waypoint. And we were like, fuck the product cycle. Like we don't want to be tied to the product cycle. And there's a world in which I can zoom out and be like, man, we're doing reviews now. And <laughs> I'm doing a podcast where I just like talk to somebody who put out a cool game that day. Fuck. Like I'm, t- I'm totally <laughs> hewing to the product cycle. And it's easy in with that wide view to beat yourself up at your most because you're thinking about your most idealistic vision right which is like artsy and unique and like nothing else like it um and then uh, but then what you do for me anyway what i do and maybe this is true for you maybe this is you that two hours in is like you start hearing the little things and you go like oh actually this is something i'm really proud of this is i i remember this specific moment when we worked on this thing uh, for me, it's like I remember editing this review from from uh, Rob that does something completely different from what reviews do and, and, and normally do or me writing this other thing. When I work with composers, like it, it's always like – it's a similar thing of like, oh, you know what? We were going for this other sound, but here it is, and we found this other neat thing. Um, the same thing with working with video editors. And like the big picture falls apart in the face of all of the little wins. And you start wor- – I stop worrying as much about that big picture vision. When I can point to little things I'm proud of, um, is that sort of the thing that happened there? And if so, I guess the second thing is like, what are you proudest of in this soundtrack? Yeah, for from my perspective, the whole you know working on anything for two and a half years and being so close to it and hearing it every day um, and and working with it on such like a granular granular level level where I'm you know taking these really complex pieces and splitting them up for interactivity and putting in them into wise and 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 you know messing around with all the different var- variances and stuff I'm basically looking at these tracks in a way that nobody is ever going to look at them so I'm looking right. at them from this like on high perspective of them being you know not reaching this perfect uh you know status that is impossible to reach and um i and there's there's something really interesting is once you release the soundtrack and then you hear people that are actually hearing it for the very first time you kind of get a more pure Mm. um a pure look at at what music really is and usually music um is is kind of that that first few moments with it the reaction and the feeling especially when you're playing the game the 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 first feeling of watching a cinematic in Battletech and not having, you know, seen that cinematic since it was, you know, first storyboarded a year and a half ago. And it's been, you know, through 20 iterations and you don't know about this, this, you know, one hit sound that you put in there. That's like a millisecond off and not run, you know, that stuff that only a crazy person will will pay attention to. Right. Uh, So there's like, you know, after, after, after like the dust settles, it's kind of this process of slowly being like, okay, I have really unrealistic, um, uh, expectations for myself and, and, uh, and my perspective is not, uh, is not a real perspective for (laughs) the consuming audience. Yeah. What is the, what is the thing that you hope people take away from the soundtrack? 
Um, you know, I my main thing is I just want people to get the feels. You know, right, like that's my right. my job is really I just I want somebody to finish a mission and uh, uh and see a cinematic and be like damn like wow like that right. was that was really cool and um that i think that's just the only thing i want somebody to even if they can't even put their finger on why it made them feel that way i think that's in some ways even better that means the music was good in a way that didn't stand out enough for them to say oh the music made this made this good if mm-hmm. there's just saying like this made me feel so crazy at this moment or i felt all the the emotions when so-and-so died or this thing happened um that's you know that that would that's my great success for for this awesome uh, a couple more questions and i'll let you go so you are you playing through right now do you have a campaign in the in the main actual release i i don't yet and <sighs> i i'm probably gonna i need to like chill for a little bit Fair. and then go back with Fair. like very you know but i definitely so i i probably put like 150 hours into the okay, game okay you're good to go uh, you you've been there yeah yeah but i have cheats so Fair. i i i you know i've got all the cheats i can i can just like point a point a button at somebody and they'll explode in front of my, in front <laughs> of my face so i don't know the struggle that a lot of Ugh. people are talking about um which i think is such a, a you know an important aspect of of the game are those tense moments. So right. I'd, I'd really like to just take a breather and then go back in and create, create totally. a character and play it. Like I play it. Like I've never played it before. Do you have a, do you have a call sign in mind already? Oh, uh, Hmm. I don't, I might need some help with that. Okay. Just email me. I'm good at names. I like names. I'll, I'll <laughs> I do I like tire. Tire fire was was really tire good. fire is I, I'm really happy with with our our stream character. We're gonna try to pick up that stream sometime this <laughs> week. I'm literally waiting for RAM to show up for my home computer as we speak, so that I can upgrade it and actually run it and also stream at the same time. Because right now it's yes. like I gotta pick one or the other. Um, uh, if uh, if a a heavy mech was an instrument, if a, if a uh, if an awesome if an assault class mech was an instrument, what type of instrument would it be? Ooh, it'd probably be a cymbasi. What the, um, I don't really, know what, what's a cymbasi. It's a brass instrument, like really low. Oh, okay. Like what, what makes that low, like rumbly sound? Okay. Bombs and stuff. Yeah, all the the oh the bomb instrument, of course. Yeah, I got you. I've I've been to movies. The bomb instrument, of course. Um, last thing is is you know obviously I think the the fan response has been really great. I guess it's kind of two parter again a little bit. One is. How has it felt to kind of see some of the negative response that's around stuff that's barely a focus of the game at all? I don't know if you've seen some Steam reviews that have been negative, but mostly negative because y'all included they, them pronouns and are like, have a story that's anti-authoritarian. Has that been something that you've like been paying attention to at all? I've definitely noticed it. And I mean, just just grow up i mean that's all i can say is like it's it's extremely um disheartening yeah uh, if on one on one end but it's also seeing the you know some hardcore battletech fans that are like rallying um you know against that is also very heartening at the same time so but honestly it's just like grow up i mean i i i have it's it's hard to yeah i mean it's difficult for for me to um 
go down that hole of engaging and 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 you know looking at all these reviews and stuff from people that clearly you know haven't haven't played the game and don't really care about it at all it's just it's one of those things that just it makes you really pissed off (laughs) totally i mean so the other half of that though is what you got at right which is there are these people who have wanted a battle tech game for decades and not they played their mech warrior games they might play mech warrior online right now um they they probably played mech warrior you know two like you and mercenaries and three and four and every you know and they played mech commander and they played mech assault but they wanted a battle tech game and now they finally mm-hmm. have that i'm curious what those fans have been like um for you uh and i just wanted to say briefly like, it has been so interesting seeing those sorts of like there was something that you kind of think about as like 1980s tabletop game fans as being regressive, which is maybe unfair, um, maybe fair, maybe unfair. It's, it's hard, you know. There's some truth, and there is some, and there is some fiction there, right? Because like everyone, big groups of people are are greatly diverse and have a lot of uh, varied perspectives. But it has been, like you said, heartening to see those folks, the folks who are like died in the wool, used to go to their local game store to play the miniatures game coming out in defense of the game and saying, hey, judge it on its fucking merits, not mm-hmm. because, like, you've found the latest, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, projectile in your culture war that is, like, complete bullshit uh, anyway. Um, so so it's been, I just want to agree with you that it's heartening to see those fans, but I'm curious what it's like to make a, a soundtrack for people who do have that 20, 30-year-long, like, desire for this thing. Is that a lot of pressure? And, and what's the response from those folks been like? Yeah, I think I think it definitely is a lot of pressure. Um, but again, like my my history with BattleTech, not not uh, being involved or knowing much about the the lore and and never playing the tabletop game, I felt like you know I I, I approached the music in in an, in as an honest way as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't I couldn't even if I tried try to like emulate um, what other folks think BattleTech music should be. Um, so, you know, I, I, there is always a fear that like, you're going to piss off a lot of people if you do the wrong thing or, uh, make music that isn't what they thought it was going to be. But honestly, like, I can't, I can't spend time worrying about that. I just got to focus on making music that makes me feel something. And I feel like if I, if I'm feeling it, then, um, you know, other people are going to feel it as well. Mm -hmm. And so hearing the response from, from people that are, you know, diehard Battletech fans have been, been doing it for 30, 20 years, whatever it is. Um, and actually saying like, this is like your, I, I think one person the other day said, uh, something along the lines of um, like you're making music that I was hearing in my head as a young kid, but couldn't like fully articulate it at that age. Like essentially like ma- maturing the music to battle check to battle tech um, for his adult um, <laughs> his adult self. Right, it was kind of cool. Like you know, saying like I never knew that that this music music like this would fit so well in this universe you know not, not just like 80s 90s shredding right i was gonna say uh, shredding guitars and like <laughs> metal and like because that's that's the kind of the thought that you have i think with with mechs yeah. so often it's like right. oh it's mech so like you said it's action it's action and it's you know uh, the battletech universe is very much one of those universes that was conceived of in the 80s and so like 
it doesn't really have the internet or Wi-Fi. You know, it has something mm-hmm. similar. It has like a network, but it's very much like the BBS style system versus the contemporary what we think of as the internet. And I love that about this about it. And it's it's part of why I think the synths that you do use the uh, are all really interesting. The all the you, know, you use an analog synth. You don't you you know what I mean? Like there's stuff there that that in the soundtrack you try to. There's a very physical technological feel in this game in the right. soundtrack, right? Um, it's cool yeah, that you've been able that, to reach them for that. Go ahead. Yeah, that that, that sort of um, you know, uh, uh, BattleTech has a lot of baggage. It's got a lot of uh, uh, sure you know, problematic. Yeah, got a lot of problematic stuff in it, and you know, as the music, it's it's uh, it's insulated from a lot of from a lot of that. But then again, it it also when you think BattleTech music or or MechWarrior music or what whatever it is it does occupy like a specific time and place. Right. Um, just like, you know, when I tell people I live in Seattle, they, they think that, you know, everybody here listens to grunge music still, but <laughs> that's like still like a very nineties thing. Right. Uh-huh. Not to I, say that it's not amazing, but. Right. Exactly. I, and I will say, I opened up this, this uh, behind the scenes video with you. You're wearing a plaid shirt. There you go. A flannel go shirt. Uh, you know, you've glasses on. That's, that's grunge. Um, you know, <laughs> Uh, your hair is a little too nice in this video, though, and you're in front of an orchestra, which not very grunge, John. <laughs> um, thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, I really love talking with you about it. I can't wait to see what you do next, uh, because what you've done here has been is, is really exceptional. Congratulations on yeah. the launch. It was awesome, Austin. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back with more Waypoint Radio. Uh, we have a lot going up on the feed this week. Uh, between this, we have Rob's Frostpunk review and a conversation about that. We have Rob's Battletech review and a conversation about that. Uh, and we'll have our normal uh, Friday Waypoint Radio also. So really fill in the feed with some cool stuff. And again, please go to YouTube.com slash Waypoint Vice to check out that incredible behind-the-scenes uh, video with, with uh, John Everest and looking at the, the, uh, the creation of the Battletech score. All right, everybody. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.